All right, Father Jonathan, I think we're right around the corner from an Ash Wednesday coming soon. Oh, yeah, is that coming up? I, I never think, keep uh, track of this. We, you told me this last week, and I still forgot. <laughs> I know, and I'm going to keep repeating it because I know you're going to forget. It's going to sneak up on you, buddy. Yeah, well, there it is. That's okay. <laughs> I have yeah, nothing okay. to say. <laughs> no, at the so we have the whole month of February left with uh, these readings, so we have two more Sundays of Ordinary Time, and then it's Ash Wednesday. Boom. March um, 2nd. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So uh, as we record, we're preparing for the seventh Sunday, but uh, just really quick, sixth Sunday of Ordinary Time, what was it? The uh, the, the Beatitudes. Beatitudes, um, yeah, and the woes. The woes, yeah. So uh, I did something I don't normally do, which uh, I think actually worked out pretty well. I ended up preaching my homily all about Mary, uh, oh, yeah? which I was really surprised that that happened. Uh, I... We have these really beautiful windows. It, mm-hmm. that actually, yeah, you've seen the church, right? So the the beautiful windows of the Joyful Mysteries of the Rosary. And so Mary is like right there by the pulpit. And so I I took that as my inspiration to talk about what it means to be blessed. Hmm. Because she's the blessed mother. And then also like blessed is the fruit of your womb. Mm-hmm. Like all, all of that language around the blessed mother. And so I kind of took her as an example of what it means to be blessed from the Beatitudes. Yeah, and so I, like I preached a lot about Mary and like... What does it mean to be blessed? Blessed does not mean that, like in in our popular uh, way of saying it, a lot of people talk about being blessed because they have a lot of like material wealth or something. Mm-hmm. It's like no, no. Mary was blessed and she found favor with God, but she also suffered the bitterness of the cross. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I entered that dynamic a little bit in my homily, which I think went pretty well. Nice. Yeah, I like that a lot. You know, she as our model of what it means to be a Christian is that's perfect. Perfect. Yeah. And I yeah. think we could even carry that over to this week. Oh, yeah? How so? Well, just with the gospel, it's basically a continuation of that, you know, from Luke mm-hmm. chapter 6. And so, you know, similar thing. I'm gonna just going to jump in. Uh, Go ahead. You know, it's... Uh, what am I going to say? This is my one of my favorite things to talk about, so I may get a little excited here. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, we have this tendency to think of what is a good Christian? Well, a good Christian is a good person. And this gospel is almost screaming the exact opposite, hmm. that it's not about being a good person. Now, if you're a good Christian, then yeah, you'll be a good person. But like, look, if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do the same, right? Yes. Yeah. Like, if you lend money to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners. Like, there's such a, 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 a different way of being that Jesus calls us to that goes way, 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 way beyond just being a good person. That's right. So, sim- I mean, to your point, like, when we, when we talk about this, these, this language of being blessed or of, you know, just of what it means to be a Christian, you know, it's like we want to focus on the things that you do, rather than looking to Mary, who are you? <laughs> you yeah, are that's right. changed. You are a different person. You are, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you are, and, and our, our second, or our, yeah, reading from St. Paul talks about that, right? Like, just as we have been born from the image of the earthly one, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly one. It's like mm-hmm. we've been giving, we have been given something new, so radically different that, you know, I guess, I guess that's kind of the point, right? That's why we keep going off, uh, off kilter with it, that it's so radically different from our, from our lived, mm, should I say that? It's just different. And so we keep getting confused because we keep forgetting to look at Jesus. 
Yeah. No, that's right. That's right. And I, I, I really like how you kept emphasizing the like the radical nature of what Jesus is preaching here on in this sermon. In the sermon is that it's like it's just not enough to be a nice person. Uh, Mary, I'm sure, was a sweetheart, but <laughs> but like that's not what I remember of her. Right. Like I, I, I think about her radical faith. I think about her uh, perseverance in suffering. I think about like think about the wedding at Cana. She wasn't just sort of like this passive, nice, mm-hmm. you know, kind person. She like told Jesus yeah. what to do, commanding, you know? uh, commanding, and it's just a really beautiful reminder, you know, that to be a Christian is not just to be meek as the world sees meekness, you know, to have false humility and to let everything just be uh, easygoing, you know, like you're saying, you know, sinners do that, yeah, you know, as well. Um, I gotta tell you though, like this, I, I I find that this passage in Luke chapter six, as I was reading it the first time. All I could keep thinking about, like, what is there to really elaborate on? Like, is this, <laughs> yeah, it's, it just kind of says I it. Wanna just, <laughs> I just want to read, like, I just want to read the gospel, like, again for yeah. my homily, you know? Um, especially, especially, you know, love your enemies. Like, there's not much to mm-hmm. elaborate there, you know? Th- just do the thing. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a really beautiful simplicity in Jesus' words, but they're provocative. Like, when people talk about, well, Jesus was just a nice guy, it's like, but he calls us to, like, a really radical. Mm-hmm way of changing our lives you know um anyway i think that's a really really good thing about this this gospel text. bro i think that i don't know talk me off the ledge here <laughs> uh like think about your kind of what you're just talking about like our our natural um inclination is to just like oh well i've got to expound on something or spiritualize something as a preacher yeah, uh, you know, Bishop Barron does this a lot. He'll he'll encourage people to go back and reread something, um, you know, later on in the week. I mean, like, I want to I want to emphasize that th- this passage. Like, I think it's worth repeating and saying, yeah, people, seriously, we need to look at this. Like, not try to figure out what Jesus is actually saying. He's being pretty clear here. Let's right. let's take a closer look. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like, you can turn each of these into sort of an aphorism, you know, stop judging and you will not be judged, full stop. You know, stop condemning and you will not be condemned, full stop. Yeah. Forgive and you'll be forgiven, full stop. And just that's that's a summary statement of Jesus's radical pedagogy here is that he's calling us to a deeper conversion that goes beyond just being nice people. Um, but it hurts deep, you know, we got to yeah. stop judging, we got to be a forgiving people. Well, it's reckless in a way, right? Like lending right. money to those from whom you ex- you expect repayment is not enough. Like that's mm-hmm. smart lending, <laughs> you know, instead we're, we're called to give freely of those whoever need it. You that's know, right. There's a, that's f- right. there's a fundamental tenet of the gospel there that we, we tend to spiritualize away, you know, well, I tithe mm-hmm. and I do all these things. It's like, yeah, that's good. Like, don't get me wrong, but again, sinners do that. So what, What's your point? <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. I heard it said by somebody, I can't remember who it was. It may have been Jordan Peterson or Bishop Barron, but that all of the great religions of the world uh, will talk about loving your friends. Mm-hmm. But Christianity is the only one that emphasizes loving your enemies. Mm-hmm. And that says a lot about Jesus. And, it, and Luke is going to be the one, I think, what, at the crucifixion who, te- who says to forgive? Mm-hmm. Is that in Luke's gospel? Um, all this language about mercy and forgiveness, like Jesus does that on the cross. He loves his enemies. Right. You know? He loves the thief that is on his side 
uh, in Luke's gospel. It's from the, the cross that he says, Father, forgive them in Luke's gospel. Right. Like Luke is very concerned with this. And I think he puts Jesus as an emblematic figure of precisely this sermon on the plane. Like Jesus is embodiment of this. Um, yeah. Anyway, so I think if you want to be Christ-like, we need to stop thinking in terms of, you know, just the, the, nicest, the niceties of what would Jesus do. But why don't we actually take this at its word and stop being judgmental and stop, <laughs> yeah. you know, charging people interest on their loans yeah. and actually make I mean, a radical like, change. Talk about a timely moment for that to happen. Like that's all we seem to be doing these days in social media and all that jazz. It's like we're just calling people out for the sake of calling people out. And and con- condemning people for not being perfect, right? Like, what you know? So here in in Luke, we've got that that great line: "Be merciful, just as your father is merciful." Uh, yeah. In Matthew, it's "Be perfect, just as your father is perfect." But that's right. That's I right. think you know. I keep going back and forth on which one is better. I think they're they're both better. Um, but I think that calling to perfection is is not the way that we th- a lot like what going on here, right? It's not just about being a good person. It's not just about being the best, the person that never falls, the person that never sins. That's not what perfection is in the gospel sense. Uh, mm-hmm. The perfect mm-hmm. person is the one who imitates the Father. That's right. Uh, That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I underlined that that phrase because I like to use that phrase whenever Matthew's gospel has the be perfect uh, one, because I, whenever that comes up, I often preach about perfectionism and how how much of a disordered attachment I have to that. Um, but then I think I put this one to be merciful next to that one as its explanation. Yeah. As what we're called to is perfection in mercy. Right. That to be perfect as our father is, is to be merciful as he is. Um, it, which is why he says here, forgive and you will be forgiven. Mm-hmm. You know, it's in the very, our father that right. I think very soon Luke is going to put into the text Right, is forgive them their trespasses as they have forgiven you. And that's precisely what God is able to, to teach us, mm-hmm. you know, in that kind of mercy. Yeah, you know, yeah. and it's it's fascinating the way that we even see that going way back to the first reading, uh, way back. I meant way back into the Old Testament with uh, with the monarchy. You know, like Saul is has already uh, plotted against David. He's already like proven himself to be not a great king, and yet what does David say to his servant? Do no harm. Do not harm him. Yeah. For who can lay hands upon the Lord's anointed and remain unpunished? Like there's right. still such a beautiful respect that David has for Saul, even though he's tried to kill him <laughs> a number of times. It's yeah. like, yes, okay, he's broken, he's hurting, but he's the he he is the Lord's anointed, the Messiah. So he mm-hmm. sh- we mm-hmm. shall not lay hands, we shall not kill him. So they steal mm-hmm. from him anyway. That's kind of weird, but anyway. <laughs> but there's yeah, there's yeah. such a beautiful sentiment that I that I just feel like we've completely lost in today's discourse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, caring for our enemies because God is yeah. on them too. Yeah, you know. No, that's great. That's absolutely great. And you know, beyond beyond just being like uh, an like a good story that is emblematic of the love of the enemy. I'm not sure what First Samuel here is offering us. Like. <laughs> Like it seems yeah. like it's a it was chosen after they chose the gospel, and they're like, "What's a good example of someone loving their enemy?" You know, and <laughs> yeah, they put David I mean, in here. You know, yeah, I think that's a big part of. I mean, I just think that's a big part of David's story. You know, I've I've said this before. I think um, I think my I think the David. And, what am I trying to say here? David and Goliath. There we go. <laughs> I think that's not necessarily a story about David destroying a giant enemy. 
I think it's a story about David trusting where Saul didn't. And so it's really mm. David versus Saul. And so I think everything here is is that is that play between who do we trust, um, uh, my own strength or the Lord. And I think here again, this is a great example where da- Saul again has has tried to kill David a number of times, but David is constantly mm-hmm. saying, "No, this is not the way. Um, there has to be a better way." So I'm just yeah. trying to like break that cycle. Perhaps is a, is a good way to put it. Sure. Sure. And knowing that he'll sin right later on with Bathsheba, like he's he is mm-hmm. not perfect either, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. So anyway, no, that's great. Um, hey, here's a bit of a curveball, and I don't think it's going to go anywhere. But this is just a thought that's in my head. Uh, when I, when I first read uh, the letter, sorry, the first part of Samuel here, um, I was really struck by the Lord had put them into a deep slumber, uh-huh. uh huh, because it reminded me of Genesis mm. to take being out put the into rib. a deep. Yeah, put into a deep sleep. Now, there's, I, I don't know what connection could be drawn there, but it just, the language sounded a little bit uh, reminiscent, right, of what Genesis offered. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then in Corinthians here, we're referencing Adam. So, like, there's, there hmm. is a reference hmm. back to Genesis in Corinthians. Yeah, yeah. So, so what do we make of that? Why? Yeah, so I don't know. It's Saul and his people that were put into a deep slumber, yes? Uh, that's right. And then David comes and Steals is able to kill him. Spear. No, yeah. he does not kill him. <laughs> no, but he's able to. He's he able could. to because he's in a deep sleep. Yeah. Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe there... I don't know how this connects to Saul, but like here is... Or uh, to, to Adam and Eve. Ooh, here we go. Maybe I've just figured it out. So, uh, what is in the garden besides Adam and Eve? Uh, all the trees. Well, one in particular, <laughs> uh-huh. the, tree yeah, of, the tree of knowledge. Of good. Yeah, the tree of knowledge. Uh, and that's sort of, you know, Adam and Eve's choice. They get to make this or not, and they don't. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. here, God presents David with a similar choice. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he... Oh, look at that. And he, yeah. and he chooses correctly <laughs> oh look at that i like that i like that it's like in in this uh section of samuel like the deep slumber you know you could take that back to genesis as a reminiscent thing and then he's faced with a similar choice uh-huh. and he chooses to be faithful yeah to god's command yeah you know that's so fascinating usually when i when i um will preach on that or talk about that i usually point to jesus uh, temptation in the desert as being that moment mm-hmm. where he shows us a better way. But that I think that even helps the point that, okay, David did a similar thing. Uh, That's right. Uh, That's right. That, that, that there's, there's that steady buildup to that moment with Jesus, that it's not just, okay, Adam and everything in between is a mess. <laughs> it's like, no, there's yeah. steps along the way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You yeah. know, the, the stump of Jesse is slowly being um, regrown up until it's the tree of life is back with the, crucif- with right. the cross. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, no, that's that's excellent. That's excellent. And I think that that would be make for a really great uh, connection and homily. I, you know, another pivot that might uh, also bear some fruit is uh, the ones who enter into a deep slumber, both in Genesis and in Samuel, are the Lord's anointed, like the, the Lord's favored ones. Mm-hmm. So Adam in Genesis, but here Saul and his company. So there's a relationship between depth of slumber and God's favor. Mm-hmm. And so... 
there's something to be said there too about like the deep sleep that Christ will go through, you know, in the tomb, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you know, and that He's the anointed one, He's the favored one. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also makes me think about ourselves. Like I am favored by God as His anointed, you know, an adopted son. Um, you know, what is where is my rest? Is sort of more I'm driving at. Like where's where's my rest? Is my rest in the Lord to be right to be blessed and and to be blessed and anointed by the Lord? Do I find my rest in Him? Or do I let my wheel spin, charging people interest on mm-hmm, their mm-hmm. loans, you know, making enemies and not, you know, and persecuting them? Like, if the if I rest in the Lord, can the words of Jesus here be consoling, or are they just disturbing? Yeah, you know, it's like, the seventh day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So anyway, yeah, that might not go too far, but I just think it's an interesting thing to be thinking about: is where do you find your rest? And I think if Jesus's words are yeah. restless for us, yeah, that's a good sign that maybe we're not living up to being favored by God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just thinking, like, what you know? I think my thing about the choice. I don't know that that would make a good homily. Mm-hmm. It'd be like a fun thing to talk about with people. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but I, I like what you're saying about where do we find rest? Mm-hmm. And and connecting that to this difference of what it means to be a Christian versus what it means to be just a good person. Like That's right. The Christian finds his rest in the Lord. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, hmm, yeah, I really like that. There's something to explore there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think, I mean, uh, as it tends to happen with a lot of rich texts, like I think we have some very rich texts, especially the the section from Luke, uh, I can have two very good homilies that at the very beginning of the preparation process seem like the same homily, <laughs> yeah. like can go together. But if I just really think about it, it actually, they start to diverge. Yeah. And that's, I think, where the work of the preacher, a lot of preachers don't do, and they end up preaching two homilies mm-hmm. at, at one mass, you know? Um so anyway, yeah, so I think one of the homilies that I think would be a good preaching one is what we were saying about the plainness about Jesus' mm-hmm, exhortation mm-hmm, here. Mm-hmm. Just how evident it is of what he's saying. Or you could take any one of these aphorisms and turn them into an entire homily. Yeah, you know, th- that could also be the time. You know how we're allowed to do a little introduction. I don't remember what the germ says at the at the beginning during the introductory rites. Um, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. as Jesus reminds us, we do this. That could be a great time for that. For, yeah, for any yeah. one of those things, you know. That's right, that's right. Um, I, I, I hesitate, right, because that's usually the time where you get your first homily in. That's right. <laughs> uh, and that's not what I'm saying here. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. Jesus reminds us that we, it is up to the Christian to rest in the Father and the Father alone. Boom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let us call to mind our sins. You know, that kind of thing. That's right, that's right. Good, good, good. Any uh, final thought on your end about what you might tie this together as? You know, I... I like that we were able to tie in 1 Corinthians. <laughs> Actually, we mentioned it twice, because mm-hmm. when I first read it, I was like, holy moly, what are we going to say about this? Yeah, uh, yeah. I like, I like how it, the, the, just the language is kind of funny to me. The first man was from earth, earthly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. Actually, just, ooh. Yeah, can I say one thing really quick? Yeah, good? yeah. Uh, so, actually... So Jesus is the new Adam. Uh-huh. Adam is our is is the first man on the order of nature. Yep. Uh, and on the order of nature, you don't let someone strike you twice. And on the order of nature, you do charge interest. And on the order of nature, uh, you don't pray for your enemies; mm. you destroy them. Mm. But with the new Adam on the order of grace and on the order of redemption, 
on supernat the new the new Adam on his divine order and in his order you pray for your enemies and he yeah. turns the whole world on its head. Boom. You know? There it is. Yeah. I like that. And so this is why we speak of Jesus in this sermon, at least in Matthew's version, uh-huh. it's him being the new Moses and giving the new law. Right. And and like it's the new Adam, the new Moses speaking the new law, where on the order of nature, none of this makes any sense. Mm-hmm. There it is. Yeah, I like that. I like that. All right, that's my parting thought. You got a parting thought? <laughs> no, you stole it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Till next time. Hey, right, pal. Peace.